0: make a connection with the label and um, try and be loyal and like continue to send music to them. Just take your time, make sure it's good music. And eventually you'll get some opportunities. I mean, if you can show someone that you've got potential, a label, um, they'll want to give you opportunities. It becomes, it becomes easier. Like you'll have more people to help you. You still got to work extremely hard, of course, but... You'll have more opportunities to improve yourself.
1: What is up, producers? I'm Sam Matler, and you're listening to the EDM Podcast Day Show where I interview successful artists and people in the music industry. And today's episode, episode 29, is with Thomas Hayes, an exceptionally talented Australian-based producer. I'm going to keep this intro short because I'm in a rush, um, but in this episode we talk about a ton of stuff like the uncommon production techniques that Thomas uses, uh, his advice to new producers, why great music is really the main thing you should focus on, if you want to drive your career forward not all the peripheral stuff like how to craft a good email pitch Um, you know focus on the music because that's going to make most of the difference and also his technique for starting new tracks it's something i've never come across before and it's a super cool technique Um, and we talk about that quite early on so make sure you listen up for that And we talk about a bunch more, of course, but like I said, I'm going to keep it short, so I hope you enjoy the interview, and without further ado, here is Thomas Hayes. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the EDM Podcast. I'm Sam matler and today I'm with Thomas Hayes. Thomas, how's it going? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, you know, I have to say... It's great being able to interview and talk to an Australian producer for once because normally uh, these guests are in wildly different time zones, I have to wake up early, um, but it's 4.30 in the afternoon here, so it's a great time.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's good. I know the feeling, I'm always up late at night, so
1: (laughs) There we go. So, you know, I want to start off with your background. Uh, How did you get into music production and what has your journey looked like so far?
0: Well, I basically started, um, I was in high school and I was just, just really wanted something to like look at. I was into music, um, into like hard style and happy hardcore. I think it was back then, like Mm in early days of high school and slowly got into trance and I was just looking, just looked up some tutorials on YouTube when it wasn't like, there wasn't a million tutorials on there. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I just slowly got into it. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing at the start. I was just like putting MIDI over random like sounds mm. and thinking that it was good. <laughs> and yeah, obviously it wasn't for a long time, but yeah, it just extended from there. Um, I started doing some other stuff in high school. I would house parties, mm. uh, in high school and Just kind of wanted to get into making it but obviously it was complete rubbish for a long time and then when i finished year 12 um i kind of got a little bit more serious about it i was not getting mentored but i was getting advice by another australian producer called uh, aaron cams he used to release on cold harbor when it was part of armada Uh, yeah he just i sent him some music when i was really getting into trance again and um showing him that and he was just so helpful to me getting giving me advice I hadn't heard before like much more specific and it just went from there really I got um, I released on I think I won an Armada remix comp for a Roger Shah uh, Roger Shah track called Try To Be Love and oh wow yeah it was just a just wasn't a huge comp yeah, but yeah that was good to kind of give me a little bit more confidence um, you know Armada obviously being a label I looked up to and, um, yeah, then I kind of set a goal for myself. I wanted to be on enhanced and it took me a while to get there. First track I sent there, I got rejected. Mm. Right. Mm. So looking back (laughs) and, um, yeah, eventually I worked really hard on diversity. I remember I went overseas, I was like taking notes and I changed it and eventually I got that one signed. And I've just gone from there really. And just, Tried my best to make as good a music as I can, follow what I like, and um yeah, obviously the DJing stuff um as well as progressed as I've gone on and yeah, it's just the journey's only just begun really mm-hmm. for me. it's a long way to go. Um and yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot at the moment, so yeah.
1: That's awesome, man. And uh like DJing the house parties, did that do you think that helped you with production in any way?
0: um to be perfectly honest no i don't think so Mm. it honestly i wasn't thinking about it in that way back then like when i first started making music it was like very progressive listener stuff that you would either hear in a club either very very early or Mm. it's more just listening so no i didn't really think about it back then to be perfectly honest
1: right gotcha and the other thing you mentioned was like um you went overseas and and you took notes and. You mentioned something about diversity. Can you expand on that? Because I think you're touching on something that a lot of producers struggle with, which is finding their sound or like their style or just working out what to make.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, That's still a challenge today, Mm -hmm. you know, because with the amount of producers out there, you know, being unique at the same time as being really good is a struggle. And basically, yeah, I was just thinking about it, trying to take, Like I listened to a lot of lot of music. I was on the plane, and I was was listening to "Trans Around the World" episodes and group therapy, and um, just just basically trying to listen to sounds that I thought were quite cool and um, I could take inspiration from. Maybe not the regular that was the absolute popular at that particular time, but something I could put my spin on it. Like I like to think of it as when you make a track in a genre. it's like you're you're remixing that genre in a sense Mm. like i don't think you should look at the track and say okay i want to make exactly this i want to say i really like this and i want to put my touch on it so it's going to have my own kind of sound to it and yeah it's really just it's not something i can explain really in words Mm. it just comes down to experimenting and then when something sounds good to you just run with it i guess
1: right for sure and i think also um you know, you mentioned to, that you listen to a lot of music and I think that's kind of the key thing as well, yeah. uh, just to develop yeah. your taste. For sure. Uh, so I want to touch on your, or like, go to your workflow, but like, how do you approach a new project? Is there some sort of workflow that you use? I mean, does it change every time? Do you start on an instrument? Uh, let's delve into that a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I think um, when a lot of people get asked this question, they... Kind of answer with I start with the melody I start with you know the kick and stuff like that yeah. and more recently and I do some lessons sometimes and I always tell people um, I, tr- I try to start with an idea I have in my head of a space I want people to go or like wow
1: I like that um,
0: a type of a type of feeling I want the track to so let's say for an example with my track Golden um, obviously it's called Golden you listen to the lyrics um, it's very it's very like happy kind of mm-hmm. uplifting kind of sound. And yeah, so that's kind of what I, what I tried to create. I'm adding sounds like, um, forest sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, what was another one? I got a lot of these like real recordings from like spaces and yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I try to listen to where I want the track to be set, where I want your head to go. Mm-hmm. i listening to that. So for example, another track, I saw a really amazing sunset and I came back and I'm like, I want to make something that sounds like that looks, it sounds a bit cheesy, I guess, but that's kind of how I look at it. And yeah, it kind of helps me to kind of focus in on where I'm trying to go.
1: Mm -hmm. No, that makes a ton of sense. And, um, I know JTick a fellow Aussie does something similar. He'll, you know, he'll take like a bunch of themes from places, write them all down and then develop a track around them.
0: Yeah, because there's there's just so many sounds out there that, um, you know, you can get sidetracked so easily. Mm. You hear one really cool synth mm. on Spire, let's just say, and all of a sudden you're just completely off, off track of where you originally wanted started. So I think if you start with that idea of, and it's a really good idea. You know, I don't think there's too many people out there that don't like sunsets. So, um, <laughs> I'm sure there's one or two. <laughs> and you go, maybe, yeah. And you go in that direction. Um, yeah, you just... And you kind of try and stick to that. The sounds will change, mm. of course. There's going to be core sounds in there. I obviously use a lot of piano.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: But, yeah, that, that's kind of how I like to think of
1: it. So, I mean... Are there any times or has there been a time where you've you've started that way and gone in like a completely different direction?
0: Um, well, I haven't actually been doing this for too long okay. like, thinking about it this much. Um, so I can honestly say no, not really. Recently, every time that I've kind of thought about that, I've stuck to
1: that. Oh, fantastic. I might have to give that a go. Um, sounds good. So your most popular track, I think it's your most popular, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's called Neon with... Joni Fatora? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah. Um, so how did that collaboration come about? Because it's a pretty big tune.
0: Well, actually, pretty interesting story behind that one. It started off as a instrumental and um, I was actually I had two tracks I was working on at the time and it was called Alluvion, actually, in mm-hmm. the beginning. And funny a lot funny enough, I didn't really believe in the track, to be perfectly honest. I remember I was driving and you know, just doing the typical car test, and I showed my mate uh, after gym, and you know, I was just trying to work out. I was, I was feeling, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I was pretty nervous when I sent it in. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe they won't like this one, but luckily, Will, Will Holland, mm. who uh, is in charge of enhanced, he really liked it from the beginning, and he said, let's get a vocal, um, this kind of stuff. So I was like, great, and um. Yeah, and then when we had Joni singing over the top, it just really grew on me and, yeah, that kind of how it went from there. Like sometimes it's tough to see the potential in your own tracks because you've listened to it so many times and I think it's important to kind of believe in your initial idea and try not to be so harsh on yourself that, you know, if that was potentially just up to me, it would have never happened.
1: So, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think um, that whole idea of holding on, if if you know an idea is good in the beginning, holding on to it. Audien talked about that. I was at some conference in, in Melbourne and Audien said that because someone asked, how do you like stick with the song? And he said that if he knows the idea is good in the beginning, even if he encounters like a point in the project where he struggles, he'll just keep going because he, he had that initial excitement which means it's probably yeah. worth finishing
0: that's right that's right yeah definitely if like the song isn't exciting me within the first night of working on it i'm trashing it straight mm. away every single time like there's no way i'll work on something for more than a day if i'm not getting that excitement
1: um so yeah if you could give an estimate um what would be like the ratio of uh, finished tracks to unfinished tracks
0: um my ratio is actually pretty good, to be honest. There's just not a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of ratio maybe for every finished one two unfinished. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I kind of, yeah. Like if I'm not feeling it, I'll just scrap it straight away and like start something else or maybe go away. Um, I don't produce. I'm trying to change this, actually. I'm trying to produce more, which I actually am lately. Mm -hmm. But um, initially, I didn't actually produce too much. Like, I'd produce a track, then I'd go away for quite a bit. So, every time I got in the studio, when I got that idea, I knew I was following it through and I was 100% on the track. So, Mm. I wanted to finish it from start to finish. So, yeah.
1: Right, gotcha. And going back to Neon, were there any, apart from the fact that... um, you know you didn't believe in it at one stage were there any challenging aspects of that project and did you experiment with anything new, like any new techniques
0: well i experienced the full feedback potential of will holland <laughs> uh, was i believe there was around 50 edits we did of the track as edits. soon as uh he saw the potential he hammered me on absolutely everything mm-hmm. as far as like a hi hat being too loud in the build-up and Literally everything you can think of. Um, it took around, I think the process was around six months from when I had the original demo to the finished vocal track. So, yeah. Wow. But I learned a lot in that space. And like I initially, I'd never had any success even close to this with the track. So, initially, I was like, Jesus, you know, there's a lot of work for for one track. Hmm. And then seeing as it's been heard by, I don't know, around 5 million people or something now, I guess it was worth
1: it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome. 50 edits is that's pretty insane. I thought yeah, like five yeah. was bad, but uh makes me feel a bit better now. Yeah, just
0: small ones. Like it wasn't drastic every time, but yeah,
1: just... A lot of back and forth though.
0: Lot, a lot of back and forth. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, I really want to talk about this and it's not a question I ask often, uh, but what are some uncommon Techniques or uncommon pieces of advice that you want to share with with the audience.
0: I think one's got to be try and I'm not sure how uncommon it is, but try and establish a relationship with a label in a way that, like, it's someone that you're almost like friends with in a way. Mm. To kind of like find that kind of person who's in a label that you can be really honest with and communication is great because I think that will help um, a lot of people hop around from label to label and they're like oh I want to sign to revealed recordings I want to sign to protocol yeah. and that's totally cool but I still think it's great to have one person at a label like an A&R that, that really gets you and you get him and I think you'll be able to achieve um, a lot of great things with that because that understanding musically is important and obviously what we do it's very like it's very easy to lose confidence in yourself so kind of having a person there that you know if they say it's good they can that will reassure you a lot um i think that's important to have
1: so i i totally agree with that uh but the thing a lot of people struggle with is actually initiating that um relationship like even starting it so do you have any any tips for that
0: just send music. I mean, that's what I did. I initially just sent tracks to the info at, like, email address, and it took me a while to get a response. It's going to take a time. Um, as with every relationship, you don't become best friends with your best friend overnight. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, just keep sending music. They want to hear your music, and, um, yeah, event- eventually, if you start showing progress, they will believe in you, and... Um, yeah, then you can start to work on that.
1: Right, absolutely. So, um, you, you know, you've worked with and you continue to work with a lot of uh, big vocalists and writers. What are a few things that you've learned uh, through doing that?
0: I think it's the, the difference in skill set is just um, really interesting. I found they kind of, when you're a producer and you are a producer for quite a while, you hear a track as a... Um, like, as parts, like if we listen to a track, we're hearing, oh, that's a really nice lead, that's a really nice, um, you know, kick, anything like that. And their way of hearing music is more musical, it's more as a song. And like, this is songwriters, of course, as well, I'm talking about. And the way they've kind of made me think more about structure and like arrangement and stuff like that, that's something that I've never really like I have put focus onto it, but not as much as say getting a lead sounding really great. Their focus is much more on the track as a whole. And it's like a, it's a song, Mm. you know, and, and their feedback is just different than you're going to get from other producers. So yeah, I think I've really learned to, as much as you really enjoy making your leads and getting your mix perfectly, it's a song first. The average person listens to your music, isn't going to be saying, oh, I think there's 0.5 dB too much 2K. (laughs) They're not going to be saying that. So they kind of helped me get back to a a space um, where I was thinking about the song as a whole, and also they're really good with music in terms of like they know their chords, they know their, like Kyla, for example, was just fantastic. Um, We had a couple of issues at the end with like a transition where chords weren't, 100 percent right and she just she was really helpful in getting that to work because yeah i'm personally not musically trained i do everything by ear mm. so that was a big help and knowing how to write under a vocal
1: so do you have any tips for people because i'm glad you touched on this because i do think that a lot of producers kind of get bogged down in the the super technical stuff or like just tweaking a like a hi-hat for an hour hours on end which is stupid Um, but it's easy to fall into that trap. Do you have any tips for kind of getting out of that rabbit hole and like taking a step back and looking at the big picture, the structure, the arrangement and so on?
0: I think um, when you're producing uh, something I'm recently trying, I'm trying to produce as fast as I can Mm. and not get stuck. So if you have like a go-to hi-hat folder or like a just where, for example, where you know the samples are good Just kind of throw that one in there. And even if it's not um, 100%, you can always come back to it later. But when we're talking small things like that, just get it in there really and just let it do the job that you need it to do Mm. to fill in that space, creating energy, whatever it is, and, yeah, come back to it later because it's absolutely happened to me so much time that I've put so much emphasis on something really small. And it just – you're right, it just bogs you down and – the track's just not going to get there as fast or anything like that. Just try and do what you can to when you're in the zone, just keep working. Mm. If there's like something mix wise that you're not a hundred percent happy with just do just forget about it and push forward. Cause we can always fix that later.
1: Yeah. I like that. I think that's, okay. that's super important too. Um, like in the writing world, for example, there's this philosophy of like doing a shitty first draft, you know, like the first yep. draft of your book is just going to suck. So yeah. get it out of the way and then come back and edit it.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. I know with um, working with a vocalist, I can't disclose on one of my new tracks. Yep. Um, we are just throwing, I, I went on Skype with him and we are just, just throwing out ideas and, you know, we had a few laughs and stuff like that. And it just, you just got to keep, coming up with stuff until something sticks Mm. and I think you'll know you'll know when you get to that and um and yeah like just don't get bogged down in trying to make something you're not sure about great at the start just keep going and then if you find something that you like there's potential there it's you have to be quite confident to be able to do that like it's not as easy and it takes you know you need to kind of train yourself to know these things but yeah Another thing I've heard that some people do, they make a sample pack where they put their best samples just uh, into a pack and that's just their go-to. So when they're creating a track in the start, there's no going through heaps of folders. It's just, okay, this is my best snares, This is my best kicks. I'm just going here.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think it's important because if you have an idea, like this has happened to me and I've seen it happen with others too. You get an idea in your head and you, you know you think oh I have to pop onto my laptop and put it down and then you spend like five minutes looking for the right kick drum and it's like
0: yeah nah, know, it's, it's just just stupid do whatever you can to keep the flow going that's so important for me and it's the best part of making music mm. in my opinion can't beat that first initial night or day you spend on the track where things are flowing and it's feeling good mm. um yeah just try and do what you can to stick to that
1: yeah, and I want to talk about that. Other than like um you know, setting up a favorites folder and all that kind of stuff, is there anything that you do to kind of optimize that, optimize the flow?
0: Um I think I would probably say like have have certain um instruments that you know are going to work, like mm certain sounds or like it that doesn't mean you've got to be generic or something like that, but have like pre done um, things that, you know, you can get into a project quickly. For example, a baseline, the baseline for some of my tracks have been the same as previous ones mm. in the beginning. And then I've changed them. So obviously when you make a baseline like the one in golden or neon, um, there's a lot of processing. There's a lot of um, EQing like my, effects channels i think they're too long i go a little <laughs> bit overboard and if i was to do that in the creative process i would be completely shooting myself in the foot mm-hmm. because i so i think the best thing to do is have some like pre-done things that you know sound good so if you have a melody idea have a line that you can throw in that you know the sounds good and you'll obviously change the notes and just just to kind of hear how it sounds and another thing I do, a lot of people won't agree with me on this, but I like to throw a master plug-in on the bus, uh, on the master bus pretty early and kind of get that sound like a finished track. Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't advise doing that. Uh, I know Calvin Harris actually does that too. Um, I think it's probably fine
1: up, then.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I know a lot of people say you got to produce at minus six. You can't have anything on your master bus, but i've kind of just produced like that and it's definitely helped me in a sense of knowing if it sounds good because if you're listening to something it's uncompressed there's no limiting on it Mm. there's no there's nothing it just it's gonna it's not gonna sound as good as it can and you may get demotivated whereas if you have it on there i'm not saying use it all the time like switch it on and off maybe if you just what it's like turn it on but just just get it there and um yeah. And I, and it can like really make you think, Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. There's potential here.
1: Yeah. No, I, I do that quite a lot actually. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but there's bound to be some pure I still complain. Yeah. Um, do you encounter like creative block or, or writer's block? And if so, how do you overcome it?
0: Oh, for sure. I think everyone does. Um, I had a lot of that. I think it was last year. Mm. Towards in between neon and golden. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I I don't have the answer. It's just about going, trying to go back and find why why you love music and listen to a lot of different music and just just get back to it for enjoying. I've, I think I found that a lot of my writer's block was more of a um a thing that after neon, like obviously. We wanted the follow up to be good. Yeah. So I was kind of putting too much pressure on myself to make something great instead of just making something that I liked. And I was expecting too much too early. So I'd get in the studio, lay down some chords, and then I'd listen to it the next day and it's not fantastic. And I'm like, oh, you know, and you just, you just, it's just a downward spiral in confidence. And I think the best thing to do is kind of just. Just, just make stuff you like, listen to sounds you like, just uh, listen to samples or anything like that and just, just try some stuff. And also another huge thing that I actually did that kind of snapped me out of it was I made another genre, a complete another genre. I was getting a little bit tired of continuing listening to like Progressive House and Progressive Trance and that. And I was really into d at the time, so I made a D&B track and that kind of just brought everything back for me. Um, I haven't actually finished that track yet, but, um, having the experience of working with something different, which was really enjoyable, Mm. um, was, was great. And it just helped me to kind of get back to making music because I enjoyed it. And with that came better quality
1: music. I like that. Um, I think that's super cool because like, you hear about a lot of people who, who have that hit, you know, like it's a super popular track and there's just this immense pressure to create something as good or even better, like you feel you have to, and that tends not to be good for creativity, so I like that idea of, you know, switching out completely and making something, making a different genre, and perhaps with the, like not necessarily the intention of, or the idea of, I have to release this, like let's just play around with it and have some fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I did with the, the drum and bass track. Exactly. And yeah, just don't limit yourself and don't think you have to just, yeah, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Music should be about make, having fun. And I think when you have fun, you'll bring about the best results.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's go back to the start. You know, you're in high school, just getting into this stuff. Um, given the knowledge and experience you have now, what Three pieces of advice would you give to yourself as a new producer?
0: Yeah, well I think one's gotta be something that I did when I was in high school is I was I just wanted people to listen to my music. I was always, you know, you hey, listen to this, listen to this, and it was crap. <laughs> and I think don't don't be so concerned with getting your music out there when you're young. Mm. Like it's not gonna be good for quite a while. You may be a really great producer who can get your sound improved quickly, but just don't be so concerned with getting it out there. Just show a couple of people who you trust. Hopefully you may know some producers. I'm not saying go to Martin Garrix and ask what he thinks but just some some people you like that you know will that will get back to you that know what they're talking about and just work your way up and like I wouldn't worry about putting stuff on SoundCloud or putting stuff on trying to get releases until you're happy with it. Make sure you're happy And then when you think, okay, I could listen to this music, then think about releasing and think about it. Because at the moment with the quantity of music out there, if you're just another um, person making an average track with some silent presets and some Nexus presets, no one's going to care. So just focus on that time to just improve yourself and get yourself to a point where you like the music. And yeah. I think that is very important. Another one would be is to um, understand who you are from the beginning and what your niche is. I've had a lot of time where I've been like very frustrated about like, gigs and the industry and things like that. And I mean, I'm personally not an attractive female that has tits, <laughs> and that's not that's not going to get. That's not what's going to get me gigs. Yeah, yeah. I need to understand for myself that I'm trying to be an artist and I'm trying to impress people with my music, not... So when you see these people that are ghost produced and, you know, they really have no idea about music, Mm -hmm. you have to understand that's not what you are. And regardless of them taking your spot, compare yourself to the people who are like you and try and be more like them because... Yeah, it's not fair, I know, but we need to... like that. People are going to do that. They're going to want to see your people like Paris Hilton and stuff like that. I have no idea why, but Neither. they're going to. So that's not your market. They're not going to come and see you. And if they are going to come and see you, they're not going to know who you are. So focus on the people that will respect you for your music and try and build a fan base with them. Um. And yeah, just only till recently I've realized things like this. And another one would be uh, don't try and, like what I said before, make a connection with the label and um, try and be loyal and like continue to send music to them. Just take your time, make sure it's good music, and eventually you'll get some opportunities. I mean, you know, uh, working with Enhanced, that's how I got the opportunity to work with Kyla. That's how... It, I got the opportunity to work with Joni all through this because I didn't, I've sent music to vocalists before and I haven't got a reply mm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think um, if you can show someone that you've got potential, a label, um, they'll want to give you opportunities. I know Mance, who released um, a remix of Golden, mm. um, he's Killian now, he's remixed Almond and Hardwell. He, similar things happening to him now with other labels like Armada and Reveal they send him vocals and things like that to work on so it becomes, it becomes easier like you'll have more people to help you, you still gotta work extremely hard of mm-hmm. course but you'll have more opportunities to improve yourself instead of having to chase vocalists for you know the next four months and getting slow responses yeah. maybe you'll get a vocal straight up that'll inspire you and you'll be able to come up with something
1: I think that's so crucial and I, I kind of want to go on a rant here for a little bit because I feel like a lot of young producers are looking for this magic trick when, like you said, you're just, you know, you just sent your music to labels and eventually something happened because it was good music. But I do feel like there's a lot of people out there, oh, how do I craft like the perfect cold email to a label? It just, it doesn't matter. Like there's no shortcut.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I actually read something on Facebook. I think it was like someone was complaining that their demo didn't get accepted and Mm. they were kind of thinking, um, like kind of like the, everyone's against me and stuff like that. And look, it's easy to feel that way and you can get motivated. I get it. But you just kind of like these labels aren't, they're not, they want great music. I mean, if you want to talk about agencies and like getting shows and stuff, well, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, I guess you'd call it injustice there. But in terms of music, if you make music that they truly believe in, they don't care who you are. And to extend to that, if you want to collab with someone, um, I personally do not care if you have 100,000 fans on, well, look, I care about that. But I'm just, (laughs) the point is, um, if you have no fans on Facebook, you don't even have a Twitter account or anything like that, but your music's great. Mm -hmm. I want to call out with you because it's about the end track, the end result. It's not about, um, so just because don't think of when you're sending music to an artist that you like, if you're not as good, why would he call out with you? Think about it from their point of view. I get uh, a lot of messages to collaborate on certain projects. Sometimes people will just ask and sometimes they might send an idea and that's cool. But I think a lot of people they don't really think about it from the other artist's perspective, they just see, oh, this guy has a uh, track that has a lot of plays and I want that or he's got fans on Facebook. I want that. I think it's important to kind of think about what you can bring to the project and that's going to help that's going to help you. Like more people will say yes to you. If, if you can show something unique, if you're trying to copy that artist and you're trying to, you're just making a cardboard cutout that they can do Mm. while they collaborate with you. I mean, we're looking for something different that we kind of think, Oh, this is exciting. Maybe I can merge this with some other stuff I'm doing and it will sound cool. And I think if more people did that, they'd be more successful asking for collabs rather than just sending basically uh, a version of that person that's not quite as good as them.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's definitely advice. If you want to collab with someone like, for someone like me, I'm a hundred percent open to it. I'm not worried about who you are. If your music's great, then I'm up for it.
1: Mm -hmm. I like that. that. Um, Okay, man. So two, two more quick questions. The first is, uh, let's say you're stuck on a remote island and you have unlimited food, drink, uh, and a laptop with whatever DAW you use, plus some decent headphones. Um, but you only have three plugins. You're only allowed three plugins: one synth and two effect plugins. What are those plugins?
0: Well, it's got to be On the sphere. There's just so much mm. um, sound and different things you can do on there. It'll probably give you an opportunity to understand some more of it which would be good um so i'm definitely going to go that and i think as far as effects i've got to go pro-q that's just that's huge for me and um probably compression as well just to yeah i think those things i could come up with something half decent i guess
1: okay so let's say you have a eq and compressor just because i want to i like to dig in and find what people's favorite plugins are You've got all your stock DAW plugins, um plus a decent EQ and compressor. Beyond that, what would you pick?
0: Um mm, that's a tough one. Probably I think maybe Arts Acoustic Reverb. Oh, that's a great plugin. Yeah, that one is is huge in my sound. And um Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that one. Obviously Longosphere and we're replacing the eq for the stock that's okay Wilton's stock eq isn't too bad
1: um you can keep the pro q pro q man i'm putting you I on the spot the <laughs> cool are there any books or resources that have helped you become a better producer they don't necessarily need to be music related books
0: uh definitely the forums um and just just youtube in general uh watch so many in the studio videos um tutorials on how to do things that just everything is out there that you need to know um obviously you need to learn that some things are going to be more correct than others just watch as much and gather as much information as you can A producer you respect doing a studio session watch it um mm-hmm. i'm still watching them all the time
1: mm-hmm. cool well thanks heaps for coming on thomas do you have any last words of advice uh, for the listeners
0: i think yeah for new people who are wanting to get into it ask yourself if everything else about the industry wasn't going well for you you weren't able to get gigs you weren't able to um be doing all the things you wanted to but you love making music would that be enough for you to keep doing it if the answer is yes to that then i think go for it but if you're just trying to do it as a quick way to become famous it's not going to work for you um Mm -hmm. i think you've got to do it for the love first and and then you just no matter what happens to you you'll do it for enjoyment anyway and then any positive success you get out of it is going to be a bonus.
1: Love it. And finally, where can people find you online?
0: Um, all the usual socials. Um, it's different ones. If you just search Thomas Hayes or any of them, you'll be able to find me. Um, and keep a look out. My new track is coming soon. I know it's taken a while, but I'm doing everything I can to get it perfect. And hopefully we're going to get that one out real soon. So keep an eye on that awesome and yeah th- thanks for having me
1: no problem man can't wait for the track